Tea Stranger Rangers. This is Bree. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, I'm really excited that you found that update about um, Kara Taylor. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So. If you guys listened to the last episode, I briefly talked about um, some local true crime to us that had happened about a woman who was murdered by her roommate out in Oregon City, and he confessed the day of his arrest to having dismembered her and dumping her remains in multiple different areas, and we didn't really know all of them except for he had visited the Oregon City dump, and Fatina just found a recent update this week that they um, had found remains down in Corvallis. Yeah, that too. But I thought they found some from the dump as well, right? Oh, they may have. Um, I think, and I totally could have missed that part, but um, I do remember in the little um, blurb that you had sent over to me that they found some remains down in a dump in Corvallis, I believe, but is it is uh, to be determined if they are hers or not. They just have found human remains, I believe. Oh, so gosh. it'll be really, really interesting to see what kind of comes to light, A, and B, um, like we kind of talked about on the last episode. I mean, dumps get filled with stuff all day long and they're compacted and it's just unbelievable. Okay. Sorry. My dogs are going a little crazy right now. If you hear some ruckus in the background, (laughs) it's not the baby. (laughs) It's not the baby. No, he's being very quiet and good. Um, but just alone that they were able to, that they found any human remains at all. So as this goes along, I guess we'll kind of keep you guys updated since we got some pretty new-ish news about it. Did you yeah. come across the article? So, yeah. So on the article, you're right. It says in the Corvallis landfill. So I mistakenly thought it was in our landfill, which he did say he visited. Right. But her remains were found in Corvallis landfill. Right. So I don't know if that's because of how the landfill's contents are transferred for further disposal if Mm. that's why they found her down there like if that's a bigger facility sure because corvallis if you're not from morgan it's at least a couple hour drive from the metro area right yes yeah so i don't think that he had admitted to that or that they thought he had traveled that far to dispose of her body or of her remains right so it might be that whatever he did dispose of at the landfill here in Oregon city, which is still very connected to the Portland Metro area would have been transferred as, you know, the refuse over to that Corvallis area. Cause that would have been a long way to travel with remains, which totally wouldn't surprise me. No. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, Corvallis is far, but it's not crazy far because you hit Corvallis before Eugene and that's about an hour and a half, but you do have to go a little bit west to right. get into the town. But um, yeah, it, it it's still a drive nonetheless. Yeah. It's still some effort to put in if he took 
her there. And again, they've just found remains. I don't think that they have yet confirmed that they're hers. Right. They so, found human remains. That's all they could say. Exactly. Yeah. So just crazy that we got such a quick update um, after just talking about that briefly a week ago. Not only that, but the, the chances of finding something in a landfill are very slim it's, to none. And I mean, it could be that luckily, maybe our landfill systems are very organized. Sure. And hopefully that's what helped them track down what right. they needed to find. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So as we get news, we'll uh, keep you guys updated. So, yeah. That is a crazy one. All right. Well, today's episode is also one that has a couple turns and twists, and I'm excited to talk to you guys about it today. And although I did talk to you a little bit, Brie, about it, you know, we didn't talk about the details of it. So hopefully this will all be a new case for you as well. This is one of those cases that I'm surprised hasn't gotten more attention. Mm -hmm. And I could only find one podcast on it. One, um, the YouTube videos are non-existent. So there has not been much coverage whatsoever. And oh, I, crazy. and I don't know why it's not, um, it's got a lot of twists and turns to it. So I am excited for lack of a better word to discuss this just because, you know, every, every person deserves a, a moment to have their, uh, life spoken about and how unfortunately they met their end. So totally. Today's case is going to be about Roxanne Houston. And we're going somewhere new for this one. It's not your typical Florida or, you know, Northwest case, Pacific yeah. Northwest case that we've covered. Or this one, we're going to New Mexico. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't right? think we've covered anything from New Mexico. So it's, uh, it, it came, uh, I saw it and I was like, yep, I'm taking this opportunity. And I learned a lot about New Mexico. And I learned a lot about Taos, New Mexico specifically. So that's T-A-O-S, New Mexico, Taos, New Mexico. At first I thought you said you learned a lot about towels, like towels. towels. I was like, <laughs> oh man, interesting. What fun facts did you find out about towels? <laughs> People towels. use them to dry off yeah. <laughs> the sweats from being exactly. in New Mexico. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Taos, got it, got yeah. it. So okay. Taos, New Mexico is a very small town. It's your quaint, small town, quintessential, you know, one-stop kind of place, one yeah. one city-like kind of thing. Um, it's definitely breathtaking. It's in the middle of picturesque hills and mountains. And a lot of people go there knowing that that is the the kind of the last city before they go out into more deserted hiking and to other trails. So the, if, that, oh, okay. if they're going to stop and get any more goods, that's the, the place that has the shops. Sure. Now, surrounding that town, there is a lot of desert areas where mm -hmm. it is flat for miles upon miles. And a lot of people, there's entire communities that have used this desert as a place to 
go and they've put buses there to they they just go live there they consider themselves they discuss themselves as the outcasts of society people that don't want to be ruled by government the anarchists people that don't Mm -hmm. like police or maybe running from the police in some cases sure so people that just want to get away from it all get away from technology they don't have any running water they're very self-sufficient they're very low maintenance they you know live off the land not the desert land, but yeah. they live on the land just out by themselves. One of the people that I did see interviewed on this said, you know, I may live on a $10 lot, but I have a million dollar view because he'll sit in his broke down bus. Totally. But he has the sunsets that, you know, they're envious. They're just the best sunsets. I was going to say, I really, really want to visit New Mexico. And it's for that very specific reason yeah. is just to catch a sunset. So yeah, I'm sure yep. it's beautiful, but hardcore to be living off yeah. the grid in the desert. Uh-huh. So with that, um, part of the area, the surrounding area is going to be surrounded by places that people do like to go hike as well because they are so deserted and uh so a couple miles out of town there's the western mesa mesa hike and i think you know mesa little flat top area so Mm -hmm. you can just again see for miles and where this story starts it's a little backwards on the dates but You'll keep up with me, I'm sure. So December 25th, 2014, Elizabeth and Robert Haggerty are locals to this area, the Two okay. Peaks area. It's called Two Peaks because very uh, clearly off on the horizon, <laughs> there's a little hill with two peaks on it. So gotcha. they said that they did this every year. They went on a Christmas Day hike. And they had recently lost one of their doggies named Georgie. So they took their other dogs on a Christmas Day walk just so they can go stretch their legs that day. Part of where they were hiking is what is called the Pataka River. Okay. At this point in the year, it was it was a dry bed. It mm. usually is used for the runoff for snow melt. Mm-hmm. But at this time, it's completely dry and it has some snow all over the ground because, again, we're talking about deep December now. Right. As they're walking, they're a couple miles in. Their dogs are off leash and one of their dogs stops on the dry bed and finds what already looks like a hole mm-hmm. and starts digging up a little bit more and finds a bone. and. The owner, Robert, grabs his gloves and he starts digging around it more. And it's a long bone. It looks like a femur. Totally. One of the longest bones in our body. And as the dogs and they're trying to figure out, is this a human bone? Is this, you know, an animal bone? They are out in the desert. The dogs do like to dig up stuff or other animals. They also find a burnt bra. A burnt bra? Bra. Brazier. Yep. So at that point, Elizabeth and Robert said, okay, something's amiss here. Yep. What are the chances that you're going to find a bone and a burnt bra? Yeah. (laughs) Relatively close to each other. 
And I mean, who burns their bras? Like, we're not, you know, we don't burn bras anymore. So <laughs> free the nipple. Although we burn should. The bras. <laughs> we should. We don't anymore. No, we don't. Uh, so they didn't have service uh, in this area with their of cell course. phones because they're so deep in. So they had to hike back out. And once they got back to their cars and had cell reception, they called the police. The police were called in. Again, this is a small town, so you've got to think about it that the policemen or police that were called that day were at home enjoying Christmas Day dinner sure. with their families. Right. <laughs> the call came in right around 5.30, so people are like, you know, post-food coma. They're relaxing at home, and especially in a small town, they're, they're, they're gearing back up. They're going back out to the street. They had to hike back in with... Elizabeth and Robert for them to tell them this is where we found it. This is what we found. Right. Pretty quickly. The police said, these are human remains. And what solidified it to them that it wasn't either an ancient burial ground and it wasn't an, you know, forgotten grave that Mm. from a long time ago Mm -hmm. is that when they dug a little bit, they found what looked like modern day grow boots. Okay. Yeah. So the shoe wear alone indicated to them that it wasn't something that had been there for a long time that was just unmarked or something that had been washed down the dry bed. Sure. Know, and just happened to be there. Right. So as we said, because they are, you know, in an area that is full of, um, people that are like to be off grid. Mm-hmm. One of the people on the show called murder in the homeland described it. And he said, others describe it this way as well, uh, because everyone is so spaced out and they kind of just make their claim of land. There's no mortgages or land payments that they're making. They're just, you know, sticking a flag in and calling it their own. Sure. They call it the world's logic the world's largest open air insane asylum. <laughs> so lovely. Yeah. And because of that, the police know that this place has this reputation where people just go where they don't want to be found and yeah. they don't like police necessarily. So they put off their excavating uh, for three days from the time that they initially found the bones and on December 28th, 2014 is when they started the official digging of everything in that area. Why they delayed this was because they had to put together an entire team of people, not only to grid off the system and get corners in and whatnot, is that they also had to get the manpower to post people, snipers up on the hills to protect the police that were working down there digging up this area. Dang, they felt that unwelcome. Yes. Yeah, and that unsafe. Exactly. That's crazy. So they sifted through the entire area because this is a dry bed. They had to search a a big enough area where if had there been any runoff, they would be able to catch it. Mm -hmm. They were sifting through all the dirt. It's just, it was, it looked like an archaeological site, you know, everything was gridded off and being sure. looked through. 
they found what was remaining of the body. It was completely decomposed. It was skeletal remains at this point. So they couldn't tell much other than it was a female. It was an African-American female uh, and her approximate height and her approximate weight of about 120 based on her bone structure. Mm -hmm. They took her to, took the remains over to, uh, the coroner where they did a full autopsy and a CT scan of the bones to see what else they could find. You know, usually if there's any hardware in the body or in the face sure. from oral surgeries. And so they found her pretty intact with the together, rest? but uh-huh. decomposed. Gotcha. Yes. And they found through a CT scan that there was an injury to the forehead. That was the only major injury that they could see. Mm -hmm. And that included bullet fragments inside the skull. So that right away told them she unfortunately passed away from a gunshot wound to the head. Right. Which on the spot they confirmed. Now they're looking at a homicide. Sure. They're not looking at, you know, a hiker that accidentally perished due to heat or exhaustion or a snake bite or what have you. Absolutely. There's a grave, there's a bullet in the head. Now they have a homicide on their hands. Totally. So a couple days went by. And again, this being a very small town, they luckily only had a handful of missing people reports to go through mm-hmm. to try and figure out who this was and the coroner also narrowed down the timeline and told them that this body had been in the ground for give or take six months not wow. too long yeah so the detectives when they were looking through the missing persons report they saw that in July, I'm sorry, in June of that same year, 2014, Roxanne Houston had been reported missing by her boyfriend, Johnny. Okay. They didn't go immediately to Johnny. The way that the detectives unfolded and uncovered everything on here was very methodical. And I Mm -hmm. applaud them because it is very often that we see that small towns often either unfortunately leak information because they haven't had the nor- notoriety of these cases or sure you know they're just not they don't have the experience of dealing with this so right they kept that close information th- to them and they were able to find Roxanne's parents in Manitou Springs Colorado and for geographical reasons Colorado is only 60 miles north of where Taos, New Mexico is, the border of Colorado. Right. So Manitou Springs is not too far off from that either. They talked to her parents and her parents confirmed that she was from Manitou Springs, Colorado. And not too long ago, she had moved over to uh, Taos, New Mexico with her then boyfriend Mm -hmm. and Vern. And after that, they hadn't really heard much of her. You know, they knew where she was going to Taos, New Mexico, which is this small town and to two mm-hmm. peaks where everyone just kind of goes to get lost. Um, they asked for information, you know, to try to continue the identification to confirm that this was her, that these were her remains. And her parents remembered that when she was younger, 
she was in a car crash where they did a CT scan of her head. Mm. And on January 20th, 2015, so about 25 days after she had been initially discovered, her remains were confirmed as hers by the CT scans that her parents provided to the police department. Wow. Now, did her did her parents know that she had been missing since June, or was that news to them? Wow. That was news to them. Yeah. Dang, you go six months without... That's just crazy. You go, you go six months without talking to your daughter, or maybe longer. That's wild to me. I mean, I remember one time I was in college, and I mean, this was 2007, and my mom, I think, went like four days without talking to me or vice uh-huh. versa. And right. she called my roommate and was like trying to figure out and make sure that I was okay. And <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, ah, mom, but yeah, no, six months. No, my parents would be looking for me. Definitely. <laughs> she was an adult at this point as well. Sure. And it sounds like she wanted to, she knew where she was going, which was no contact. You know, yeah. No cell phone area. Right. I don't even know if she had a cell phone or not. Sure. So maybe that's why they had. And she's like, mom, I'm going to go away and find myself or. Exactly. You no, know, I'll reach yeah. out to you when I found myself. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So this is when it was confirmed that this was Roxanne, AKA Roxy Houston. Mm-hmm. So Roxanne. Um, as her parents explained a little bit, she was from Manitou Springs, Colorado. She had moved over to New Mexico with her then boyfriend, Vern. And Vern and her moved in with Johnny. He had a bus out in Two Peaks. Okay. And they added to that house an extra space where her and Vern were staying. And I'm not sure exactly how this happened, but her and Vern's relationship kind of started going rocky and not like bad rocky, but I think she started getting sweet on Johnny and Johnny started Mm. getting sweet on her. Mm -hmm. So then eventually, and it just sounds like she was just like this free spirit, love everyone type of person. Sure. So but Vern didn't, but none of them really wanted a, a, a thruple type of situation it sounds like (laughs) so her and johnny decided to kick out Vern. (laughs) told him to kick rocks so Vern went to he left the for uh, lack of a better word the compound or the desert and went to go live in taos as a homeless, houseless person mm-hmm. and was just kind of roaming around making it work day by day in towels out, out in town. And when her and Johnny were living um, or when they were in this bus situation, um, Johnny, obviously it sounds like he was the kind that would be like, Hey, come live out in the desert with me. I don't care. There's always room there. You know, there's always room for more. He let a guy named Ivan pitch a tent outside his bus as well. Gotcha. So we've got a couple people living in this desert bus area. Right. Now, 
something very unique about the bullet fragment that was found in Roxy's skull and that it was a 7.62 by 25 caliber bullet. Never heard of that in my life. Never (laughs) heard of that caliber size in my life. And I, I don't even know what, which way by which way it gets measured. Sure. But what I did find is that this type of bullet, the gun that would have been needed to fire this type of bullet, very specifically made in the Czech Republic. Oh, okay. Very, very specifically. So everyone that started getting interviewed, the detectives interviewed, of course, Johnny, because who wouldn't interview the first person that... Um, reported her missing. They wanted to know what were the circumstances and, you know, what was their relationship. Mm-hmm. And with Johnny, what, after they interviewed him, they, I mean, of course he's the, the boyfriend at the time. He told them that the day before she disappeared, they did have a disagreement and he left the house, the bus to go mm-hmm. spend the night with someone else, uh, with a friend or a buddy to go drinking, cool off kind of thing. Right. And uh, he left her at home for all he knows. He left her at home. And he was the one that had reported her missing, not Vern. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. So on her way out of this bus desert area, it's a long walk. And she happened to walk by her very best friend at the time, Sunshine. I mean, (laughs) that's got to be the coolest name. Well, and just how, I mean, you're living in a commune out in the desert in New Mexico. Of course, your name is Sunshine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and she, uh, so Sunshine was on, the, I think, the one road in, one road out type of situation. And she saw Roxy walking out. And she said she stopped her car. And this was all the day before she officially disappeared. Mm-hmm. That she had about an hour, hour and a half conversation with her, just chatting about everything. And she did confirm that she had just gotten in a fight with Johnny. So she herself was leaving Johnny. Right. And was on her way to Taos, New Mexico to meet up with Vern because mm. they were going to run off together back to Colorado. Gotcha. She offered her a ride into town. And she didn't take it. Yeah. And from there, they that's the last time that Sunshine ever saw her. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say just to help paint a better, even better picture about uh, Roxy is that on the murder in the homeland, when Sunshine was interviewed, she said that um, she remembers this very sweet moment. Uh, where it was wintertime, her feet were cold and she was shivering and Roxy, you know, grabbed her, took her over to the fire, warmed her up, was talking to her to make sure that she, you know, felt better again. And she even held her feet in her hands till she warmed up again because she was so cold. And she's like, that's just, that just describes what type of person Roxy is. Sure. And um, every Thursday they would get together and have what they called family time mm-hmm. just eat drink, you know get together and talk totally um and there was other people in town in town two peaks um th- as well 
that described Roxy's just giving loving nature. And she would make sure that they took their meds, that they were taken care of, that they had food. So, it, you know, it was just a community of people that helped each other. And they all definitely remember Roxy being the sweet person that helped whenever she could. Right. Um, now, one thing that stands out, of course, that she told to Sunshine was that if she were ever to be dead, found dead, that it would be because of her beliefs. Oh. Roxy was a practicing, she was practicing Wiccan. Okay. And I am, it's probably one of my blind spots because I don't know much about it. But, you know, from what I understand, it's that they worship the earth. Yeah. They believe everything has a spirit and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that you do it onto someone or put out into the world comes back threefold to you, whether that's good or bad. Yeah. Um, and they don't believe in doing any bad, right? Yeah. To anyone or anything. Right. So in a nutshell, in like two seconds, that's what a Wiccan is to me. Sure. <laughs> right? Totally. Um, okay. So now the police, they haven't ruled out Johnny, uh, but they know now that he also has um had connections with vernon or they asked him about the the relationship that he had with vernon and he told them the whole story he you know he moved out he's been in Taos. so eventually they caught up with vernon he was actually in colorado and he had he was currently in jail for a misdemeanor that he had outstanding in Colorado. Oh, okay. They confirmed that he had an alibi for the day that Roxy went missing. Sure. And it's all on recording when they informed her of her missing officially and her remains being found and confirming that they had found her dead. He broke down. Okay. He still had so much love for her. Yeah. He, did not have anything to do with her disappearance or with her death. He confirmed that he had been waiting for her to go back to Colorado. The day came where she didn't show up. Right. And he had to continue on his way to Colorado. He thought she had changed her mind. Sure. And from what he said, he said that in what he does not believe in any way, shape, or form that Johnny would have caused her any harm. Oh, he did so not he's believe like, that? I don't think Johnny would have done anything mm-hmm. because as much as, you know, like, I don't like him. <laughs> right. He did love her. Sure. And she loved him. So I don't think that he would have done anything. And he didn't believe that he would, I guess, be the jealous type that would want to hurt her, even though she was going to leave him. Correct. Crazy. Okay. So then they asked him about Ivan. Oh, yeah. Ivan in the tent. Ivan. Ivan Kales. So Ivan in the tent. He said, don't know much of him. He seems like a quirky guy. Mm -hmm. He does have a handgun. And Quirky is always the way to say that I think somebody's a fucking weirdo. Yes. That is a <laughs> nice way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way that you don't want to trigger a quirky person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 
and he remembers that he had a handgun and other weapons well a shotgun and a 22 that he often used on the property to do some practice well okay. i mean and even though he offered him to use the gun a couple of times he never wanted to use that gun mm-hmm. vernon and johnny said the same thing ivan has a couple handguns he has some weapons um he's even offered to you know let me shoot his guns, but I never wanted to. So I never did. Sure. So now they want to talk to Ivan and Johnny let the police know, well, you want to go into town to towels and find him. How you will find him is that he's with a friend. And from what I've heard, they're rolling around in a truck that the bed of the truck they've converted into this half circle dome situation in the back it is the <laughs> hodgepodgiest thing it looks like the world's fair sphere on the back of a bed of a truck it's it's so weird but it's easy easily identifiable because well yeah it how is, many of those are rolling around in a one-stop town one <laughs> yeah one <laughs> one in towels so they pull the gun, they pull the gun over. I'm sorry. They pull the truck over <laughs> and Ivan is in the passenger seat. Okay. And the detective that's in charge of the case goes up and says, Hey, I want to talk to you. You know, you lived on the property, the same as Roxanne. Um, at this point, it finally broke the news that they found the remains of Roxanne. And, you know, mm-hmm. there is a homicide investigation happening. Um, and they talked to him. And they, he says he has nothing to do with it. He barely knows her. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last he saw her, um, she did have an argument with Johnny. Right. And that this happened often. But after that, there was no other information. Mm -hmm. So they let him go. They continue doing investigation. They eventually found the new owner of the Czech handgun that had been sold to. He turned it over to the police. And although it could not be identified as the weapon that shot the uh, fire, the shot that killed Roxanne, Mm -hmm. it could also not be ruled out as the handgun that fired the shot that killed Roxanne. Yeah. I mean, you have a very specific firearm oh, in, specific. A, in a very uh, small area. So what, what it's like, what are the odds that it's not yes. the weapon? So, um, <laughs> uh, before they let Ivan go from their initial contact with him, he told them the most fantastical story. He oh, I can't said wait to hear this. That him and Johnny had gone out to the Pataka area, which is what this dry bed river runoff is called, mm-hmm. to do some practice shooting. And that while they were there, they he had found a bone that he thought was an animal's. He picked it up and then dropped it. And as they were still, as they were walking along, he also found a burnt bra. Oh, you did. 
And he also put it back after mentioning to Johnny, some girl must have been tired of this bra. Oh. So <laughs> she really had it out for Victoria's secret. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously now we know that he was trying to explain his way onto DNA had it been found on a bone, on the totally. bra, etc. 100%. And I mean, come on, dude. You're, you just put yourself at the scene. You just put yourself at the scene. Like, there's no way about yourself. it. No. So on January, 20, January 25th, 2015. So, I mean, I'm talking about a month yeah. on the date. That's when the police had enough to say, okay, we're going. This is on Ivan, right? Um, because who else? They, they had not published anything about how the bone, the one bone, had been found at first or the burnt bra. None sure. of those details were made public. So now they had enough to go after him and um, had an arrest warrant out for him, but he went on the run because now he got wind that, you know, they're looking into him. Yeah. And they immediately thought that he was going to run out of state. Uh, so they informed national authorities that, you know, now we have this warrant out for, for Ivan Kales. And it wasn't too long. It was about two weeks later when an anonymous tip came in from Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And it was the wife of a police officer in Santa Fe that believes she had seen the man that they're looking for, that they have an arrest warrant out for at a homeless shelter. Okay. But she says, I don't know that it's him, but I think it's him. And she snapped a couple pictures. They sent it over to the police over in Taos. And in two weeks, this guy completely reversed his whole hair situation. He grew a beard and he shaved off his head. Mm-hmm. He also like lost like 20 or 30 pounds. So that can drastically change your, your, I, I want to know what he was doing. Right. First of all, but <laughs> he, it completely changed his face shape. Um, yeah. And he must have been out like sunbathing because his, you know, his skin color was different. He just looked completely different. So in two weeks time, two or three weeks time, this guy completely changed his appearance. And if it weren't for someone that was vigilant and knew what they were looking for, he might have, you know, changed enough to where someone wouldn't have recognized him. Luckily, the police and towels remembered that he had very distinct tattoos on his forearms. Okay. So they asked a woman to then describe and, you know, eventually they took pictures of the tattoos and confirmed that this was him in Santa Fe. So he hadn't even left the state yet. He was still in New Mexico. And eventually they went down and arrested him. And while he was in jail, he was, I mean, he was charged with uh, first degree murder while he was in jail waiting his trial um one of his pod mates came forward and said that he had been telling these stories about himself being a witch hunter and he had been doing these drawings of these scenes where he's like on a horse and there's a dead witch and he's writing little stories next to them. And on one of them, 
on one of the drawings, he wrote a part of the story is that there is this witch standing over him, waving her hands, like casting a spell on him with her eyes closed, but her mouth moving. Mm -hmm. And so he thought all the power was held in her hands. And that's why he cut off her hands. Oh my gosh. The detail that was never published was that Roxanne's hands were cut off. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So her hands, although they were found, right, they were cut off from her body pre mortem. Gotcha. So that was, you know, the nail in the coffin. Yeah, for him. absolutely. Um, the police did have to get a warrant to go into the cell and gather this these drawings and all this information as part of the evidence that would be presented in his trial. Mm -hmm. And eventually on March 18th, 2016, he was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. So that is the story of Ivan kills the self proclaimed witch hunter. I, I'm curious yeah. why, um, I guess I'm just trying to think like when they arrested him, how they decided to arrest him based off of first degree murder. Like, were they just going with the highest, you know, the highest charge that would hold, you know, the longest yeah. sentence because, Maybe. Because, I mean, yeah, once you have those drawings, I would definitely say, okay, that is obviously showing pre, you know, that it was premeditated, you well, know. Well, yes and no, because the drawings were made afterwards because they were made in jail. Sure. But he is talking about, like, why he did it. It, it, would, it would speak to the why yeah. and him being a self-proclaimed witch hunter, them yeah. knowing that she practiced Wiccan and that they know that her hands were cut off. And I mean, how much more specific of a detail can you, right. um, I don't want to say passively aggressively, but you know, like you just yeah. totally outed yourself right. with that on top of knowing there was a burnt bra on top of saying that you found a bone. Yeah. So, well, and he put, you know, like you said, with the burnt bra, he put himself not in like, Oh, you know, we were out somewhere. I don't know where we were he detailed the exact location of where these remains were found. Yeah. And also on one of the drawings, cause there's multiple drawings. One of them had a map and unlike an X marks the spot, like we're used to seeing, there was a dot, a blue dot made a blue mark made um, in a general vicinity of again, where the remains were found. So right. there are multiple things. I, I mean, the jury deliberated for four hours. So yeah. there was no question about it. I think um, if nothing else, they probably just went through everything just to double check and cross all the T's and dot all the I's. But sure. I don't think there was ever a question of who, but more just right. the why. And even then we kind of got an answer to the why. It doesn't make sense, at least to uh, you know normal humans. Sure. But to him, he had a why. Absolutely. And it's and a I bizarre wonder, why. It is a bizarre why. And I no. wonder if um he was one of those that like went would go back and like visit the scene of the crime and like 
you know, I, I, you know, like you said, small town, I'm sure word word would have gotten around eventually if they had found her earlier than they did. But like for him to know that there was a bone, you know, like, I wonder if he would like go back and like check in on, on that site. And I also found it very interesting that she had to disclose to sunshine that if I die, it it would be because of my beliefs. beliefs. I, I wonder, well, I wonder two things. I wonder if she knew at that time that maybe Ivan felt this kind of way about that. Maybe he had like kind of made some comments before. And then it also just surprised me because I would just make the assumption that people out living that type of lifestyle, I'm just imagining like desert hippies doing a bunch of drugs, just like loving each other and being open to anyone, everyone's background that somebody would feel so strongly about somebody whose religion was just like so nature centered and so loving and not doing harm and, you know, celebrating, you know, the earth turning and the sun rotating and, you know, all, all the things. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's always gotta be one out there with a screw too loose. So. Right. And I think that that is part of it. And with religions in general, there's always going to be someone that doesn't understand what you are practicing. Yeah. In any which way that might be. Totally. Um, and and that lack of uh, understanding can lead to things like this because he had made up his own assumptions. And I don't know if just anecdotally he just had these experiences where they were bad experiences with Wiccans. Maybe. And he thought that, you know, he was doing something in his may- own weird way. Right, right. But. Or one too many bad acid trips where witches were coming at him and he came out of that with (laughs) that. You're not wrong. With a whole new set of goals. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely true. Like that was, you know, that was his new focus or whatnot, whatever that is. I mean, as far as drug use is concerned, it was never specifically um, disclosed or talked about in any research that I did. Yeah. But to lose 30 pounds in a matter oh, of yeah. weeks, uh, I can only attribute that to heavy drug use. <laughs> where On top of living in a sauna, a walking sauna. That too. My goodness. Yeah, that too. So yeah, very weird case out of New Mexico. Um, and you mentioned, you touched it earlier where you said, Maybe he just had, you know, bad experiences or she had a bad experience with him talking Mm -hmm. about either her religion or their beliefs and whatnot. Right. As far as their relationship or their contact is concerned prior to these events that took place, it was almost non-existent other than, yeah, he lived on the property. So I can't imagine that they spent too much time together as far as everyone else is concerned. They right. didn't cross words too many times when they did. It was kind of contentious, but it wasn't anything where... So I don't know what happened that night of. He must have caught her on the way out to town. Yeah. Um, he did have a Jeep that he eventually did 
sign over to Johnny. And I don't know if that was like a rent payment or just a gift or whatnot. Mm. Although they did. Johnny turned over that car for, as evidence because now he knew that's possibly the car that was driven out to the desert to dispose of her. Sure. Uh, they did lumen all the shit out of it and it lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> but none of it was confirmed DNA from Roxy. Right. So they couldn't, that wasn't part of like the evidence list that was used. Although they did you you know, talk about that being the vehicle that he used to drive out. So we know he had a car. Um, I can't imagine it was maybe, I don't know. I mean, the way I see it going down in my head is that he saw her going out of town. He knows that she has these tips with Johnny every once in a while Mm -hmm. and maybe offered her a ride and maybe made an advance and it was not not reciprocated reciprocated. (laughs) so i'm not saying that's the only you know path to that but no but it's one that could potentially make sense because i can't find a whole lot of other um why as far as why that night why that night did their paths cross and that ended up being the result of it. But if she did get in the car, it's likely because it is someone she knew. Yeah. They lived on the same property. Right. But whatever happened in that car and led up to them going to that Pataka area, we don't know. We'll probably never know. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, that is a, that was a really good case. Very interesting. And like you said, lots of, uh, Lots of different twists and turns for sure. Yeah. I mean, when you when you first mentioned her first boyfriend, I was like, oh, of course it's the boyfriend. It's you Johnny. know, yeah. <laughs> well, Vernon, oh. or you know, that's who yeah, I that originally too. thought. So crazy. It wasn't them, yeah. Nope. It was Ivan with a check gun. That's so weird. Ivan in a tent. Yeah. Damn you. <laughs> tent Ivan. <laughs> tent Ivan. Goodness, Ivan. Cool. All right. Well, that's the case this week. As always, uh, follow us on all the social medias. And if you're interested, check out our Patreon. We're trying to upload this video version of this episode on oh, cool. Patreon. So we'll see if that works. We had some technical difficulties the last episode, but I think this is only like our fourth Zoom recorded episode. I think so. So we're getting the hang of it, but yeah. still has some hiccups. But Either way, uh, we thank you for sticking on this ride with us. Yeah. I would have moved all my Christmas wrapping that's sitting in the corner in my <laughs> loft if I had known this video was going to go up on Patreon. I'm just Fun. I'm just prepared year-round for Christmas present yeah. <laughs> wrapping. <laughs> anytime. Anytime okay. you need it, it's there. Listen, the so. older I've gotten, I've got a box of gift wrap of gift bags and tissue paper. I'm like, because I don't want to run to the store every time I need to wrap a gift. Hell no. (laughs) Nope. I buy that shit when it's on sale after Christmas because I'm not paying full price for that in November. No way. Mm -mm. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you. Yep. Don't be a stranger and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.